this is Josh once again preaching to you as I look into a camera lens alone in my office this Sunday morning. What a strange week. Truly, we are pilgrims in a strange age. Well, today I want to bring our focus uh, to a passage that's always been peculiar but strangely comforting to me. And it comes out of Isaiah 45 verse 3 and 4. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hordes in secret places that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by your name. I've often pondered these strange words, I will give you treasures of darkness. And it feels a bit prophetic for us in this current moment where there is such uncertainty in what we are facing, so many unknown factors, uh, that the question becomes, where is God in all of this? And if God is good, why is he allowing this? And all of those classic questions that can create doubts and cause our hearts to become troubled. But I believe that one of the things that can benefit us in this strange, unprecedented time is reorienting um, our hearts and minds toward a biblical vision of suffering. That God has never lost control, uh, but he is able to take the difficult things that we go through and weave it into his redemptive story. That he can take the dissonant notes of our lives and weave it into a beautiful song that is telling his redemptive purposes in his history, in his world. I think in these kinds of times where we're forced to spend a lot of time alone, it's easy to get stuck in our heads and to even begin to experience panic or concern or fears. But I just want to remind you, I love this, this quote from Simone Weil. She said, the extreme greatness of Christianity lies in the fact that it does not seek a supernatural remedy for suffering, but a supernatural use of it. I think that that is a profound statement that is so true. And I want us to consider that very question is, is this really treasures of darkness? Is there something beautiful that is going to come out of the coronavirus, or as I like to call it, love in the time of the coronavirus. Uh, and I would argue that yes, there are powerful things that God can do in our lives individually and in our community uh, and in the world, that he can take this challenging and stressful time to bring people's attention back to himself. So let's ask the question, what does suffering actually produce in our lives? Well, I think first of all, it develops trust. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, it says, Indeed, we felt we have received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. If anything has come of the coronavirus this week is a realization uh, for not only us as believers, but for the world as a whole, that we are not in control, 
there is an illusion that we often live under, which is that somehow we are in control of our own lives. And there is so much that is out of our control. But the whole essence of the Christian life is driven by the fact that we are to give up control, to give God permission to be responsible for us. He has offered to us is a free gift of salvation. But salvation is not something, it's, it's him, it's his very presence in our lives. And what Jesus comes to us with is the offer for us to pick up our cross and to follow him, to enter into his death, to surrender our autonomy, that the greatest enemy that we will face, as I have said again and again, is ourselves. And one of the great challenges in life is to truly trust God with our lives, to truly surrender our lives. You see, when we come into times like this, it forces us to our knees. I know that the responsibility of the pastor in uncertain times is to bring comfort to the people. But I would argue that in difficult times, it's also a good place for us to examine ourselves in the light of scripture, to ask the question, Lord, why am I responding so out of control uh, to this virus? Why am I feeling so panicked? Why am I feeling so anxious? I've had to ask myself that this week. In fact, I have struggled with a tremendous amount of internal strife. I've had conflict at home as I've been obsessed about the health of the church and how to stay connected to everyone. And in doing so, I've tried to maintain control of my own life. And all I've done is actually cause friction in my family uh, because they feel like I've been stuck inside my head. And so I think it's times like this where we have to actually ask ourselves, are we truly trusting Jesus? Are we finding rest in the unrest? Because that's a biblical vision of rest. And so I think that the first thing that, that challenging times, that suffering produces, uh, is it has the ability to develop trust. The opposite of that, if we choose to not trust Jesus, it, can, it has the potential to develop incredible anxiety. And so here is the challenge to all of you, as well as to myself. Will we trust Jesus in this time? Indeed, Paul says, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Seriously, think about that passage. What's the scariest thing that all of us will confront is our own mortality. And yet Jesus is in the business of bringing dead things to life. May we trust him. I think the second thing that suffering develops in us is our character. Romans chapter five, verses three and four says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that the suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. I know that many of you are facing incredible challenges. There's many of you that are we watching that have already lost work and you're afraid of the uncertainty of the future. I know that some of you are like myself, I've been sick all week, which created its own kind of panic and anxiety because I had a cough and a fever. But again and again, I'm reminded, Lord, do I actually trust you? 
And as I have trusted him in the midst of that, that is when that peace comes and where he begins to develop a character in us as we see that we can't be shaken because we know in whom we have believed and are confident that he is able to complete what he has begun in us. Allow this time to refine your character. I'm asking God to do that. I often pray that terrifying prayer, Lord, do whatever it takes to make me a man after your own heart. But then I get freaked out when he begins to answer that prayer. Let the Holy Spirit do his deadly work in our lives in this time in which we are forced to a standstill. I think one of the most challenging things and the most anxiety-producing components of this whole outbreak is the fact that it has created a stillness that many of us are quite uncomfortable with. We don't like to be alone with our thoughts, and yet we have a lot of time alone with our thoughts right now. Let God produce character in and through this trial. Let him weave the dissonant note of this time into his redemptive story. Third, I think that it deepens fellowship. Nothing brings people together like trauma. Now, I know that the challenge right now is that we are supposed to be practicing social distancing. And if you're like me, I've been pretty isolated this week due to the fact that I've been sick. But we still have the ability to call the people that we love, to reach out to family and friends. We have incredible opportunity with our non-believing friends and family. And I just encourage you, if you are someone who's never put their trust in Jesus and you're watching this, I just want you to know, no matter how alone you feel, Jesus is closer to you than you are to your own thoughts. He loves you. He gave his life for you. And he simply asks you to put your trust in him. And I would encourage you, if you have friends maybe that recommended that you watch our podcast, that you talk with them about about the things that actually matter, the deep things of life. Let's talk about the question of, is there a God and does he love me? And if he is there, how do I know him? And I would encourage you believers to take this opportunity to deepen in your fellowship, not only with other believers, but to deepen your fellowship with those that are feeling the panic of all of this that you would be a conduit of God's grace in this time of difficulty. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26 says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Times of difficulty deepens fellowship. And I would just encourage you also, if you're someone who's feeling isolated and you're in the community or you need help from us, uh, please reach out to us, email us, uh, direct message me on my Instagram. Let us know how we can help stay connected as a community. We will love your ideas. You can email us as pastors at Dorfo, but we want you to know that we are here for you and we're trying to figure this out as we go. So just don't be afraid to reach out. Fourth, it, it draws believers to the Lord. I think when we are in a time where there is no difficulty, where life is relatively stress-free, I was just talking with another pastor who was sharing that he was on the phone with a very successful businessman 
who said that a week ago he had the most lucrative week in his business's history and it within one week had lost 40 percent uh, of his staff had to lay off 40 percent of his staff uh, this is a crazy time and it's a time in which it reminds us that we are not to put our trust in the things of this world and i believe in paul's words in philippians chapter 3 verse 10 I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. This is a time in which we are stripped of the things that have traditionally brought us comfort, the things that are actually distractions from the things that really matter. Uh, this is a time in which we are left a bit naked and exposed. But this is also a time in which we can truly draw near to Jesus and reprioritize our life around the things that truly matter. I, I think finally, it prepares believers for heaven. Suffering and challenging is what prepares us for the next life. I have often used that quote from the Charles William novel, All Hallows Eve, in which a young woman finds herself, she, she dies in a plane crash and finds herself in a purgatory, a gray London. And she can't figure out why she's in purgatory. And the author brilliantly writes this word, she had never tasted death in life, therefore she was not prepared for life after death. It is in these times that we find ourselves being prepared for a life that is yet to come. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. I saw this firsthand in two friends who passed away from cancer. The way that faith became so central to their lives as their physical lives were deteriorating, their interior lives were being transformed. We need to understand the same for ourselves. And this is why we have to accept that in this time, God wants to do something awesome. I believe that this is an unprecedented time that we have often said, but I think that we don't really want it. It's what Don DeLillo in his prophetic book, I would recommend it highly right now, uh, White Noise wrote, he says, only a catastrophe gets our attention. We want them, we depend on them, as long as they happen somewhere else. Well. It isn't happening somewhere else. It's happening right here, right now. But historically, throughout the church's history, the greatest revivals have come out of the midst of the greatest suffering. You guys, this is a time in which we are forced to our knees, in which we are forced to trust God in his goodness in the midst of so many unknown factors. And so how should we respond to this time of difficulty? How should we respond to what I am referring to as this treasure of darkness? Well, when we're suffering, when we're anxious, when we're overwhelmed, we can either despise it in unbelief and anger, or we can be exercised by it, recognizing that in due time it will produce fruit Psalm 119 verse 71 says, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Listen, 
we can despise it or we can be exercised by it, but no matter what, we have to endure it. So listen carefully to these words in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Listen, Jesus is with us. And I like to refer to the gospel truly as the good death. That Jesus has come not to free us from the mess of life, but to free us from the need to be free. That the foolishness of the cross is our door of hope. And it is in this place where our wounds become sacred and our failures become growth and our suffering becomes transformation. You guys, we love you. And as I like to tell you again and again, on your worst day, Jesus is crazy about you. So if yesterday was plagued by anxiety, listen, God knows. He says to us, cast your cares upon me for I care for you. He knows. So may God do his refining work in this time. And I wanna just close with this beautiful prayer and then I'm gonna share a song with you that we could maybe worship together. But there is a prayer in, written by Karl Barth that I just thought was so beautiful. It's called, Let There Be Light. He says, O Lord, our God and Father, we are thinking now of all the needs, great and small, of all this present time and world of ours, of the millions of hungry people compared to whom we have it so good, of the dark threat of the atomic bomb to our beautiful earth, of the perplexity with which the great statesmen and stateswomen face the task of speaking a reasonable word to each other, of the pain of the ill and the confusions of the mentally ill, of the many failures of our public order and of the insanity of most of our customs and habits, of all the vanity and going in circles that also exists in our intellectual and cultural life, of the insecurity and weakness also of our church life, of so much worry and complication in our family life, and also finally of all the particular things that may distress and burden each individual among us today. Lord, let there be light. Lord, break, crush, and destroy all the power of darkness. Heal us, Lord, and we shall be whole. If it cannot yet be altogether, then in part and in anticipation, as a sign that you live and that in spite of everything, we are your people whom you lead through everything to your glory. You alone are good. You alone are due honor. You alone can and will help us. Amen.